Welcome to the A Block. As always, my name is Marshall Ferguson. Thanks so much for being here with us and spending another day, the longest day of the entire year. Doesn't that feel nice? Everybody says, oh, you know, it always ends up going the other direction as of now and the sun starts to disappear. No, 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 my friends. We've been in the dark for a long time here. We are looking at the positives. We got CFL football just around the corner. Some really positive announcements happening throughout Ontario football, football Canada, what's happening with U Sports right now, some momentum, some more positive announcements. So it is good days, my friends, and I hope that you will join me in celebrating some of those good days with our friends at Sada City Beer. Of course, go to their website, sadacitybeer.com, and shop their wide variety of brews to learn more. And of course, use the promo code CFL during checkout to receive free shipping on your order over $100 shipping to Ontario residents only and you must be of legal drinking age and you know by now that we could not put on this podcast we could not bring you these interviews these conversations that we enjoy so much without our friendship with Fox 40 go to fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15 to get 15% off all of your whistle needs and of course they've got the return to play line the close vicinity line designed to help you return to play safely at some point we won't end up needing to have the close vicinity line and the return to play protocols and everything else. But for now, that is the norm. That is what we are dealing with still as we head towards July in 2021. Not sure many or any of us really saw that coming when all of this began back at the beginning of 2020. The good news is the CFL is getting back out there on the field and more good news came this week in that there was another pop-up of a new off-the-beaten-path media entity driven by some really good, smart people that know the game and know the league. Bonfire Sports TV. Darren Bombing is the creator of it. Darren is a, a former TSN Winnipeg radio alum, just like I am TSN radio in Hamilton. Uh, we always had great conversations. It was always a good time to be able to catch up with Darren. His inside of the league, his passion for it, the way that he covered it. I mean, he knows his stuff. And I have so much respect for people that know their stuff and are passionate about this stuff. And Darren is certainly one of those. And so I wanted to catch up with him because I saw that he announced this week that he's going to be doing a show, CFL 360, on this new platform that he is designing alongside Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press, who I also have always enjoyed being able to catch up with. And he just is a straight shooter. So those two are a great combination. I began by asking Darren here about Bonfire Sports TV and exactly where this all came from. Because as I know from starting up Canadian football perspective, the origin story sometimes is the most fun. It's really just uh, uh, an opportunity to continue to deliver sports content and opinions to the fans. We know there's a real hunger and thirst for it. Uh, here in Winnipeg, and and we want it to be more than that. We want it to be beyond Winnipeg. Um, I had a show on TSN Radio years ago called CFL 60, and it was a 60-minute weekly magazine covering the league from a Winnipeg perspective. We still want to do that, but we want to ensure that we cover every CFL team from coast to coast, the potential American partnership news, uh, the, the X's and O's on the field, to the greater, you know, conversations had, um, you know, in personnel circles and in political circles and, and all of it. Um, it really came down to just wanting to create an entity and as a launching point, we're going to start with Canadian football. We're going to continue to move forward. Uh, you know, we live in Canada. We're obviously going to get to hockey eventually, uh, but we really wanted to start with our bread and butter. It's definitely mine. 
Jeff Hamilton, um, you know, has, has really cut his teeth as a Canadian Football League newsbreaker. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to uh, really seeing what it kind of grows into more than anything. I was really happy when I saw that you guys were launching this, I'll be honest. And it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would look at it from a capitalistic perspective and they would say, well, you've got Canadian football perspective and there's other people launching a podcast that's talking all things Canadian football. Oh, that's competition. I was like, no, like you've always been one of my dudes. You were great when you came on radio with us. I love when you did CFL 60. I thought that that was kind of groundbreaking because I honestly thought that was the type of show that TSN radio would want to pick up nationally, right? Where it's, it's like that, that, magazine like style cover that you talk about where you could pick it up from coast to coast and cover absolutely everything and so when i saw it come up i was like this is great and then i saw you had jeff hamilton on it and i was so much happier because i love what jeff brings to the table i love how honest he is i love the approach that he has you know him better than anybody but i i I loved going to bombers walkthroughs or whatever the day before games and being able to sit around for an hour and pick his brain on stuff because that guy knows his, he just, uh, he knows how the game is played. Like it doesn't matter what sport it is. He knows the ins and outs and the way that things are, they should be approached. And then you've been around, you've written for the NHL, you've done all sorts of different freelance work. You've covered through TSN, you've been on TSN.ca. And so I love the idea of you guys pairing up together. And I was wondering when I saw that you guys paired up together, cause I was happy about it. I'm, I'm going yeah, but what's the origin story? I'm like, when did you and Jeff actually kind of like knock heads for the first time and go, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of, I like what this guy's about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how uh, they, they always say, like, if you're in Winnipeg, you're never, like, if you're in a room of people in Winnipeg, there's one person from Saskatchewan. Like, that's a given. <laughs> there's one Riders fan. Um, but, you know, it, it's like three degrees of separation in Winnipeg. Everybody seems to know each other or know somebody who knows that person. Um, Jeff and I actually go far back, you know, uh, he used to bartend at, uh, my local watering hole, uh, before he went to Carleton and studied journalism. I went to high school with his sister. I've known his brother-in-law since we were in diapers. Um, you know, we became good friends when he graduated and started covering the gold eyes and started covering the bombers and the jets. We just started hanging out and, 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 you know, sparking up a friendship kind of like we'd known each other our whole lives, which through one or two degrees of separation, we did. Um, I'm a reporter, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a host, and I'm a writer. But Jeff is somebody who I think brings a great element to this show. I've hosted shows, pre and post game shows, magazine shows, that sort of thing on traditional radio. Jeff is a journalist. Jeff is a digger of information. Jeff is a sourced individual who knows what's going on because of the relationships that he's curated and built through the years. But I think what our viewers and the audience is going to enjoy the most is that Jeff isn't afraid to say it how it is. Jeff is not afraid to bring the truth and bring a little bit of true opinion and a little bit of heat. We're not a hot take show. You know, we're not hot take artists. But Jeff has some strong takes and I have some strong takes. And while our personalities are a little bit different, I don't know if I could find a, if, find a better co-host or build a better co-host from the ground up. You know, we balance each other really well, I feel. And that's what I'm really looking forward to in the show. I know the conversations we have 
after a game till two and three in the morning, uh, you know, <laughs> debating about what happened in the game or whether it's all afternoon or all morning on the phone about what's going to happen, you know, at practice that day. Um, that's what we're, we're looking forward to, to putting on camera and presenting to the audience. And I think uh, we're really focusing on it being high production value uh, and high visual interest uh, for the people out there, uh, for the audience, because uh, if you can do that, have great information, great opinions, great debate and conversation, and you, you put it in a, a visually um, attractive uh, medium, I, I think it's just, you know, that's the recipe that we're looking for. Yeah, totally. I'm with you on all of that. I, uh, it's funny when you talk about, you know, Jeff, just kind of like saying it as it is, because I, you know, not to flatter him while he's not here to defend or uh, applaud himself, but there's been so many times on Twitter where I've thought something, I've typed it out, and I've been like, ah, you know what, it's a little too hot. You know, I'm going to let this one be. And 10 yeah. minutes later, Jeff will tweet it out. <laughs> yeah. And I'll see it. And then internally, or, you know, I'll DM and uh, DM him and be like, yes, yes. I, like, I'm so happy you said this out kind of thing because. Uh, I do love that he has that kind of straight shooter mentality. And I would also say too, in terms of the way that you guys balance off each other, for those of, of our listeners who don't know what you guys are about, like if I were to be a programming director and to find two people that I would want to pair together to do a radio show, it would be you guys, honestly. Um, and that's why I thought this was a, such an interesting pairing and such a great endeavor. And so uh, I want people to, to try and follow up again at Bonfire Sports TV is the place they can find it. CFL 360 is the name of the show and they can dive into it there. And I'm sure that we'll be retweeting a bunch of the stuff that you guys are doing as well with all that great production value that you're talking about. But I do want to have you on uh, to talk a little bit about some CFL stuff uh, to give people a little bit of a teaser here on what's to come for what you guys are doing. And the first thing I want to start with is coming out of a Grey Cup championship through a pandemic year. What is the mood in Winnipeg? Like what, what is that city about right now with the team that they are going back into another CFL season with as the still defending Grey Cup champions, knowing what they were previously? Well, uncharted territory, right? Like none of us have been here before and even generations past, none of us have been here before in, in, you know, it being so long since we've seen action on the field, it being like 20 months or whatever it is since, you know, you and I were on the field at the 107th Grey Cup in yeah. Stadium when, you know, Andrew Harris had that ridiculous day and that defense absolutely shut down what everybody expected to be, uh, you know, a, a powerful, uh, diverse Hamilton Tiger Cats offense. The appetite here in Winnipeg, I think it's almost, you know, I mentioned this on uh, another show earlier this week. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think without football for this long and, you know, I know it's been a 20 year Grey Cup drought in Hamilton. It was 29 years here in Winnipeg. So for, you know, Chris Streveler to gain legendary status, shirtless with the sunglasses <laughs> and the fur coat during the, the Grey Cup parade, swilling beers and, you know, that moment that was. And then we entered into a winter. People were looking forward, you know, to the Jets making a playoff run again and boom pandemic hits in early March and everything shuts down. And then summer comes and the CFL is the only professional sports league in North America that didn't get onto the field or the ice or the court. And I think that was tough for a lot of people. Um, you know, tongue in cheek, I'll say, I think people in Winnipeg are, are proud that the bombers have been able 
to be defending Grey Cup champions for two years. Um, but I think they would trade that in a second to, to see action on the field. And when things were announced here, um, you know, uh, that, that the CFL was back and we got a 14-game schedule and it's Bombers, Ticats at IG Field August 5th, um, I think, you know, that excitement and that anticipation level here in Winnipeg was at that fever pitch, like I think it was in a lot of places. Um, this team has brought back a lot of the same guys, like Kalaris and Harris and that entire offensive line and Willie Jefferson and Jeff Coates and uh, Adam Big Hill in the middle and, you know, so many of the DBs from, you know, Maston to Nick Taylor and Mike Jones, who was a freak in that game, came out of nowhere. Who is this guy? We didn't even see that guy in Winnipeg until the Grey Cup, and he was making plays all over the field. Um, you know, but that's the most intriguing part of this, Marsh. And that's what has me excited is we don't know what we're going to get until they're actually playing each other. Like, we don't know who's going to be good. Like, Hamilton's going to be good. You got two good quarterbacks. You got a great defense. You got continuity and coaching. The Bombers are going to be good. Jason Moss with the Riders. Um, you know, what, what's this Edmonton Elks team going to look like is Mike Riley and the BC lions under Rick Campbell. Are they going to be able to put something together? What are the Argos going to look like? Uh, I think Montreal is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, Paul Apolis and Matt Nichols reunited, like, you know, not Nick Arbuckle, not the guy Paul Apolis told me <laughs> last winter. He watched all the film on. He's got his old guy in Matt Nick, like, we don't know what we're going to get until we, we hit the field. I can't imagine what the odds makers are talking about right now, as far as putting money down, but, but someone's going to get rich off of a, a pretty healthy bet. Yeah, no doubt. It's such a science experiment, man. You're so yes. right. It's like the, the whole thing is let's just throw all the, like Elizondo going into Edmonton and like you say, Riley and, and having him with a, maybe a cleaner offensive line to start the season. And it's like, well, we don't know what that looks like. Let's find out what that looks. There's so much stuff that there's so many variables. And the other thing that I find super interesting, and especially after I saw the quotes coming out this week from different CFL coaches, including Craig Dickinson in Saskatchewan was the idea that, yeah, there's going to be like 20 guys that are going to get cut across the league that people don't expect to get cut and they're just going to get cut because they're not ready or they're not athletically in shape or they didn't train hard enough or they got to work in training camp because it's a 21 day training camp. So for the first time in a long time in the CFL, you can actually have somebody outwork someone over the longevity of a training camp and prove yes. that they deserve a role. So when I see that people are going to get let go and we're going to have players that are going to show up that aren't in shape and all the rest, I just keep going. And like, you know, the, the average year in the CFL, you'll get a Bear Woods who gets cut from Montreal and we all go, oh, and we can't believe it. Oh my goodness. I get, it's like, okay, but CFL fans, don't you think Darren really need to start wrapping their minds around the idea that there might be 10 Bear Woods this year? Like there might be somewhere from 10 to 15 to 20 guys that you know, who you trust, who you are familiar with, who in the league, they get cut and you go, how could they possibly cut that? And it's like, no, the the team probably knows best. Like they, they know what they need to do and maybe it's salary cap casualties and all the rest, but I really do think there's going to be a lot of those in training camp where a lot of fans, including ourselves, who were even in the media, think we know somebody think we know the situation. I don't think we do going into this year. Yeah, absolutely. I look at the Toronto Argonauts and John Murphy and all of the signings that he's made and people wonder if, you know, with this uh, kind of salary cap floor for 2021, if, if they're going to be able to make it work. Um, I've been following that kind of John Murphy 
uh, Jim Pop saga closely because it's so intertwined with the Zach Kolaris trade at the yeah. 11th hour before trade deadline in 2019, where, you know, Kyle Walters is feverishly on the phone with the league and with Jim Pop trying to get Zach Kolaris out of Toronto before Jim Pop loses his job. You know, people don't realize how close that was um, to, to not happening at all. And I don't think the blue ball, I think the Ticats would be easy great cup champs right now, in my opinion, if, if that trade didn't happen. Um, but you're right. It is an absolute science experiment. And we're going to see a lot of those veteran players cut. I have no doubt. You got two Canadian draft classes. I also think something people haven't talked about is you're going to have twice as many, like there's been two years, like American football hasn't stopped, yeah. you know, here in Winnipeg, whether it's Danny McManus or Ted Gavaya, uh, you know, scouting for the Winnipeg blue bombers in the U S they've spent twice as much time. Like they're still down there traveling. They're still watching uh, college football and those games and, and scouting and guys are signing. I know the blue bombers cut a defensive back today that nearly made the team in 2019. And when they signed him again in 2020, Oh yeah. You know, we, we expect this guy to, you know, really be pushing for one of those rookie starter spots that we know every CFL team needs. They need a rookie defensive back to start uh, almost every year. Um, definitely here in Winnipeg. That's how Kyle Walters does it. And they cut him. They cut him last week. Yeah. So what happened? Well, we got better guys. So there you have it. You know, you're already starting to see what can happen with a year gone by. And then of course there's the strategy in it all. Some teams are going to be more aggressive. Others are going to be more conservative uh, in, in veterans versus young players and, and team continuity and how it's all going to come together. No preseason games. That's going to factor in a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if these joint practices are allowed. The Blue Bombers and the Rough Riders are trying to get some, maybe not a scrimmage, but they want to get some group drills going together to see if they can get some comp, you know, competitive blood flowing uh, and, and play against some different guys before actual games start and, and they really start to matter. It's going to be fascinating. I think it's you know shows like yours, Marsh, uh, that people are going to be locked into to really kind of understand a lot of those small moves that are made that can have huge differences once the games begin. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's going to be the stuff that when we get to week one, it, it still might take some time to sink in who's there and who's not. But if fans are really tuned in, like you're saying to, to shows like CFL 360 and ours and otherwise, then you're going to figure out, you know, two, three weeks in, okay, here's what actually does matter. But you mentioned the the joint practices, the crossover stuff. Do you think that's a good idea? Because I, I have talked with Kyle Mello about this. I'm like, man, for me, and I, I'm not trying to coerce your opinion on this, but when I look at it, I think to myself, Two years, basically, of not playing football with football-type guys who you and I know are ultra-competitive yeah. to, to being the riders and the bombers who the vets will know each other very well. They'll have nothing to lose. They'll be getting set for a camp. It's a long camp. Anytime there's a long camp, any, everybody's going to get grumpy, especially the vets. They're going to be the grumpiest in the entire group. And I looked at the idea of that when I saw Jeremy O'Day mention that, and I went, man, I just... I don't think that that's a good idea because the last thing that the CFL wants as PR getting back into the swing of things is, hey, training camps are open. By the way, closed practice, bombers, riders, huge fight. No media was allowed in. No fans were allowed in. <laughs> but it's like the, the optics of like there being an actual legitimate yeah. fight in a training camp practice, which seems inevitable based on what usually happens in these crossover practices. I was like... I don't know if that's a great idea. I understand the concept of trying to get your team ready, but I feel like if you 
put enough of, of green and white and blue and gold on the same field together, something's going to happen. And I don't know if that's going to be a great look. You know, I, I didn't even, I didn't even really think of it on that <laughs> level, but, but you're right. Especially like O-line deal. Like if you, if, okay, you're a young guy competing for say the blue bombers defensive end spot. You want to be the reserve behind Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. How do you stand out? Right. Yep. You got to do something that's going to catch Richie Hall's attention, Mike O'Shea's attention. What are you going to do? And you start putting them up against guys that they don't have to sit next to in the locker room or sit across from at, at you know, the lunch table. It, it could get nasty real quick. The Bombers are preparing for it to happen. They're preparing for these joint practices to happen. Uh, I can't imagine they'll like, you know, put them through gauntlet drills and things like that, where they're just hat on hat, pure violence on the field. But um, I think the health uh, officials are probably going to step in and say, look, you know, we, we've said you guys can play football games August 5th. I don't know about, you know, two, three weeks earlier having a joint practice, um, you know, even in a controlled environment because, um, you know, it, it goes beyond the health of the players with hamstrings and shoulders and, you know, uh, um, you know that sort of thing. I, I think it goes into, into COVID protocol uh, as well. Yeah, so it, it raises a whole other question. Like you can't like, can you ask players to be double vaccinated before they come to Canada or before they, they step on the field or is it the personal choice? And then the 60,000 rapid tests that health Canada has provided uh, the Canadian football league. How's that going to work? I did a little quick math last week and it's like, you know, 50 tests per team per day for the regular season. Well, you got a hundred guys in the room during training camp plus support staff and coaches. And then the people prepping your food and cleaning the room. There's a lot of moving pieces oh, for this yeah. training camp. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah. And it's, it's funny when you do the math on it, you're like, wow, they have so many rapid tests available. That's amazing. And then you quickly figure out, yeah, but how many do they have available per person per day, per different parts of the team? And you go, yeah, I don't think those are going to last. I'm like, I'm, well, you I'm can see the NHL, the NHL and NBA. That that's no no problem pulling that off. Right. Football is like that's different level. You you've been in those locker rooms, whether it's a Tuesday afternoon or a Saturday night after a game. The intermingling is unlike any other professional sports locker room. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, and if heaven forbid, fingers crossed, there's an outbreak. Hopefully not. Um, you know, it, it could spread really fast. But um, yeah, hopefully they got all the the protocols in place, and we can you know have a real season here. Yeah, for sure. the The other thing I found interesting you were talking about there is the idea of, and this might be something for Jeff, just because I know that he's dug in on a lot of CBA stuff before. But um, you know, players going full contact on each other, where in their own CBA they're not allowed to go full contact against each other, like internally on their own team. So. I don't know how they're going to be able, and I don't know if you have, have heard anything about this, but I've, I've wondered how would they be able to have the Bombers and the Riders go into full contact crossover practices yeah. against each other when in their own CBA that's been signed off by all of the players that are involved, basically. They're not able to go full contact on their own teammates, so why would they be able to go full contact before the season actually begins on anybody else's teammates, I guess, was, was my question. And I'm not against it. It was just in terms of the weaving your way through this uncharted territory that we're talking about. That was one of the first things that popped into my mind when I heard about crossover practices. 
Well, I do remember a couple years ago when uh, the CFL and individual teams talked about not having contact during practices Mm -hmm. and how carefully, especially the offensive linemen, because those are the guys I went to immediately. And I asked them, how hard is it to practice? Like really practice when you can't truly hit the guy in front of you. Like run blocking comes down to exerting your own force onto the defensive lineman or the linebacker. How do you practice that when you can't have contact during the week? And there I am doing, you know, a pre and post game show with the greatest offensive lineman in CFL history and Chris Walby. And he's talking about his days playing under Cal Murphy here in Winnipeg in the eighties and nineties. And, you know, especially like the the early and mid 1980s, like it was two a days and it was full contact for three hours times two every day. And now they're having full prep weeks with no contact at all. This is a guy who was, you know, all CFL tackle free. How do you practice blocking a defensive end coming off the edge <laughs> if you can't hit him? Like you can do all the hand work you want, but how does it actually work? As far as joint practices this year, Marsh, I really think the greatest value will come in some of those young DBs picking up the waggle, like, you know, a young DB, whatever his name might be. Can you guard Shaq Evans? Like, can you guard him? Can you keep up with him? If he gives you a double move, where are you? Are you three yards off of him? Are you five and long gone? That's where I think strong measure is going to come. Saskatchewan will get that with Darvin Adams and Kenny Lawler, you know, um, it's going to be, you know, if it does happen, I don't think they're going to be going all out on each other, but I do think some of those positional drills, passing trees, that's where the most value I think is going to come. Yeah, for sure. Hi, uh, it's man. When I hear you say Chris Walby's name, I just smile. Um, and I think a lot of fans are like that too. And you know that I was a huge nerd every time I was on with you guys in your pregame show on 1290 there in Winnipeg that I would be on with, with you and Westwood and Walby and, I would be so jazzed to just join that pregame show because even now I put on old great cups, you know, CBC broadcast era, great cups. And I hear Walby calling games with whoever Mark Lee, Chris Cuthbert, otherwise. And, and it's so good. Like that dude is so it's, it's so rare for somebody to be an incredibly talented player and an equally good broadcaster. Like you yeah. don't, you don't get that, man. You don't get people who can, because like, you know, Magic Johnson, I always think of this when I think of great talented players, you can be the most incredible player, the best passer. And I can ask you, Hey, how did you do that? And he'll go, I don't know. I just, I saw it. Like there's been people that have interviewed Magic Johnson about the way he played the game. And he's like, it's just how I knew to play the game. It's like, well, that doesn't help me at all. And that's also an awful description. And then he still gets a job broadcasting the NBA on ESPN and ABC. Why? Cause he's magic. Right. And it's like, right. well, it's magic and he's yeah. the brand like Walby was, it is a brand and Walby is somebody that you should want to be on your broadcast, but he's not somebody you want in your broadcast because he's the big guy from the eighties and the nineties. And that was in Winnipeg that you just kind of knew was like, Hey, one of the greatest linemen of all time. When he actually talks the game out, you're like, Oh my God, like the way that he can actually pick apart a game. And, and even sometimes yes. when, when we were in, Winnipeg sometimes for Ticats games when I was calling games, I would sometimes listen to the post game show on my way out and listen to the way that he would talk about things that had nothing to do with linemen. Right. And, and he, and I'm a quarterback, so I love breaking down quarterbacks, but to hear him talk about Andrew Harris or 
the way that the linebackers were setting up their blitzes and he could read it early on or the, the rolling yeah. of coverages in the secondary. And I was like, man, I, I come from a quarterback background and I feel like I know quarterbacks well. And sometimes I'm guilty of sticking to quarterbacks more than I should when I'm analyzing stuff. Walby has no fear of talking about medlock and punting. Like he doesn't care. He'll, he'll analyze it because he understands it. I'm like, that is incredibly rare. How much fun was it to work with that guy in that market who knows the game this well? The greatest gift I was ever given Marsh was being sat next to Chris Walby in a broadcast booth. Um, let alone his talent on the field and his Hall of Fame status. In Winnipeg, he is an icon because of his personality and how dominant, you know, combined with how dominant he was on the field. You know, I got to watch six seasons of Blue Bombers football next to him. And when I tell people or talk to people about that, the first question is, wow, like how much football did you learn from Chris Walby? No, no. I learned more about broadcasting yeah. than anything from Chris Walby. He called 10 gray cups for CBC and a variety, you know, uh, a variety of, of, of the networks when, yeah. when the rights were kind of jumping around there, right. The amount of preparation he would do coming into the week, like he would sit down, you know, 45 minutes before we go to air and he would have five full sheets of paper full of handwritten notes. And I always kept this one thing in my locker uh, at the radio station. It was Walby's bundle. And it was like four different colored highlighters and seven ballpoint pens. <laughs> and I would give him his, like, he's like, you got my, you got my bundle. Yeah. Here's your bundle. And he like the, the mark, like his, he looked, it looked like a play-by-play -play call sheet. You know, he would mark everything down and take notes on everything. And then the stream of consciousness, when we did our halftime show of what's happening, what has happened, what the keys are for the second half what he liked, what he didn't like came out so fluid because he was so prepared. So yeah, I learned about zone blocking schemes and uh, linebacker alignments and twists and stunts and all this football stuff from Chris Walby, but I learned about broadcasting as much uh, as anything with him. And um, you know, I'm going to miss doing radio with him. He's become a very close friend of mine. Um, but if, if people out there, don't know Chris Walby, get on YouTube and, and search. There's some clips of him like mic'd up on the field. And it reiterates what many people say about him. He talked more on the sidelines than any coach. He talked more in the huddle than any quarterback. But when he was talking, he wasn't just this loud mouth. People listened because he knew yeah. what he was talking about. And he still does. And, um, you know, he, he turned 65 recently. I, I'm yeah. probably going to get a phone call for mentioning his age. I remember when he had his <laughs> champagne birthday, when he turned 63 for that iconic 63 on his Jersey, I said, this is your champagne birthday. He liked that. Um, but, but you know, the amount of football he has absorbed, he's probably forgotten more than the rest of us will ever know. Um, and you know, he's truly a special individual. Man, what a gift. That is amazing. That, that's, uh, that's so cool to hear you talk about the way that he influenced you as a broadcaster, because that is, there's so many people across the country who would love to sit down and just spend 10 minutes with him, let alone six years, right? Like, and like, that's, yeah. that's real, man. That's, that's real, genuine stuff. And it's, I would say that, you know, for mentioning his age, he's going to find you and pull your underwear up over the top of your head, but he's also not a bully. Uh, he's also one of the nicer people, which I go, go biggest with, teddy bear, yeah. <laughs> biggest teddy bear ever, like the gentlest giant ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
which yeah, makes let, it even you know more what I, I should mention Troy, Troy, Troy Westwood too, like the yes. you know all-time leading scorer in Blue Bombers history, 661 straight converts. Of course, those are the short converts, but he said, uh, the only reason I hit 661 straight was because it was that easy. You could do it with your eyes closed, you know, working <laughs> with those two, their friendship, uh, you know, all of our friendship really that, that grew out of it. Um, you know, I learned a lot from, from Troy about how to see things through a different lens. Uh, I, I couldn't have been more fortunate to have those two guys really teach me as much as, you know, um, just be able to share the airwaves with them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, I got one more question for you here, Darren, before I let you go, which if anybody is watching uh, on YouTube, they can see we're recording this a little bit later on because I made Darren wait until I was done watching John Rom win the U.S. Open until we could actually start recording this bad boy on a Sunday night. But uh, the one thing I want to ask you here is I always like when I get a chance to chat with people who are either starting up something new like you are with Bonfire Sports TV or if it is uh, you know, something that's an entity that they're doing from home right now because of the, the pandemic and everything's being done virtually. I want to give them a behind the scenes tour. And I'm looking at your backdrop right now. And I see a Colts helmet. I see a wonderfully backlit moose. I see what I think is a CFL football. Uh, I see an, a, a, what appears to be an old EE helmet before the Elks all of a sudden debuted. There's, a, there's all sorts of fun stuff that's in there. So please give us a background tour of the studio that we expect to see on CFL 360 here so that when people are watching you do your actual show and you don't have time to talk about what's behind you, they can right. actually see it because mine is digitally imposed. So it's boring as hell, but yours is real and it's actually super <laughs> interesting. So please give us the tour. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I call it the lab because this is where all the work's done. Uh, I live with a scientist. So, you know, uh, maybe I draw that from her a little bit. Um, but the moose, like, look, just a beast, an absolute unit has to be there. I got a bunch of <laughs> CFL footballs, a bunch of the CFL helmets. I've been a Colts guy since they drafted Peyton Manning out of Tennessee. Just loved watching him play, um, you know, stuck with the Colts through all that. I'll make one adjustment for you though, Marsh, because this is one you might appreciate. Oh, what is this? Oh, wow. So that's Kenny Plain. <laughs> oh, In nice. my opinion, the greatest blue bomber of all time. Won the Rose Bowl, came to Canada despite being drafted in the NFL played quarterback. He punted, he played DB and safety as well. And this is the crazy thing. I found out he lives down the street from me. Oh yeah. So I'm getting his mail the other day. He won four gray cups in six appearances over 10 years. True, absolute legend. Kenny plane signs his name. Kenny plane, old number 11 <laughs> legend. Uh, absolutely. My favorite blue bomber of all time, even though I never had the chance to to watch him uh, in his time, but he's still uh, happy and, and vibrant and healthy and, um, you know, a, a real, uh, uh, a, a real gentleman as well. So um, yeah, I mean, you, you curate things through the years and yeah, the helmets, you know, I, I guess it's this shoulder, uh, the helmets that, you know, I, I thought just would bring a little bit of appeal and let people know as soon as they tune in, yeah. you're going to hear about everybody in the league. Uh, you know, not just a couple of Winnipeg guys talking about Winnipeg football. And I, I felt that was important because uh, this league is, small as it is big and as similar as it is diverse. Um, and it all comes around. If something happens in your market, it's going to happen again in another market. So you can learn from what's happened in the past and what's going to happen uh, in the coming years. And, um, you know, I'm not a Blue Bombers fan. I was growing up because I lived and breathed the game from really like the age of 10 uh, until today. Um, 
but I just love this game. I love American and Canadian football, uh, you know, with, with my whole being. And I really just want to share that passion with everybody else and uh, do what I can to provide a little piece uh, of, uh, of reprieve for people's day so they can go into a game, maybe knowing something that they didn't know before. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's going to be successful for you guys. So we're all excited for you. I will say this about Kenny Plain. I feel bad because when I went back through during the middle of the pandemic where I was watching old Grey Cups, I watched a bunch of his old Grey Cups and I was applying my modern sensibilities to Kenny Plain's passing game. Uh, and I was uh, not happy with the results because it was a different time. Like yes. they were, they were asked to do different things. He was playing the game as a different style. The offense was completely different. And I realized about halfway through watching his great cups. I'm like, why am I comparing him to what I'm used to now? That's not fair. That's not a thing yeah. that I should, you have to look at everything in context. And I agree with you, man. When, when he was doing what he was effective at for the bombers over that time period, he was as good as anybody that was in the game at any position. Uh, and you have to have huge, huge respect for it. So uh, that's cool to hear that he's down the street from you, though, too, because it's one of the things where for me, like Russ Jackson is, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from me here in Hamilton. And yeah. every time I get the opportunity, I, I tap into calling Russ or reaching out to him or just being able to use him as a resource because I'm like, I can't believe that dude is available. Like it doesn't. That's any the thing, Marsh. That That's <laughs> what makes the Canadian Football League so special. Yeah. These people on the field are us. Yeah. Like these aren't you know, LeBron James superstars, you know, in their own realm. This isn't The Rock. This is the guy living down the street. These are the guys you went to high school with. Th this game is accessible and it's our identity because it's literally us on the field. I don't think a lot of people truly understand that, but you know, the examples are out there. You just need the right people to tell you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, congratulations on launching Bonfire Sports TV, man. I, I know that we're looking forward to seeing what you have to create there. CFE is going to support it as much as we possibly can because we care about you and we know that you're going to do great stuff. So, Darren, I'm looking Appreciate forward to that, chat, chatting throughout the CFL season, man. Continued success and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks so much, Marsh. Appreciate it, man. Be well. Always great to catch up with Darren and know that Bonfire Sports TV is going to be something you're going to want to be subscribed to. Full support behind those guys. They are good people, and I'm excited to see what they create because they've got a great platform there and a lot of help as well. Try and make it look fancy so that you all love the content that they are putting out, which I'm sure that you will. Don't forget, Canadian Football Perspective is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. 15% off all your return to play whistle needs. Visit fox40shop.com and enter the promo code CFP. 15 and of course the warm weather is here summertime is coming and the cfl season is just around the corner and that means you want to have some beers to watch some games with use the promo code cfl on sadacitybeer.com and get their wide variety of brews with free shipping on orders over a hundred dollars shipping to ontario residents only must be of legal drinking age Lots of great stuff coming up for you here on Canadian Football Perspective throughout the remainder of the week. Make sure that you're staying locked on Twitter and Instagram at CF Perspective is where you can find us, of course. Check out the YouTube channel. We're pumping out some more stuff there as well. So we're looking forward to having All Canadian on Tuesday and Thursday with Wade and Connor, myself, and Derek Taylor come back with you on the breakdown on Wednesday and Marshmallow to round out your week. Another week here on Canadian Football Perspective.